Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 436 of the JV Club as we return from Boys of Summer to a phenomenal comic, a comedian, comedian, listen, just a voice in comedy that I have long admired and was so excited to get a chance to speak with. You probably already know her, Paula Poundstone was kind enough to come on the podcast. We had a fantastic chat. I could not love her stories more even if I'm glad she survived a few of them. You'll know what I'm talking about when we get in there. But uh, please enjoy this episode. I hope everyone is doing well, staying safe, and all of the other good and heartfelt things that I always tell you because they're always true and they're always heartfelt. Enjoy the episode. You probably don't have the thing I have, which is absolutely still the people pleaser in me that takes on the obnoxious person as a challenge on a phone call and thinks like, by the end of this, they're going to love me, uh, which is a tremendous <laughs> waste of energy and totally no, not No, I important. don't have that. <laughs> yeah, because you're cooler So wait, than give I me am. an example of a phone call where you would use that technique. Like if someone's like, okay, hold please. I'll be like, thanks. And then they'll come back and I'll go, how's your day going? Like, uh, it, like oh, it's a yeah. weird ro oh, okay. role reversal where I try to engage them. Like, I'm going to cheer this person up because I'm uncomfortable with how with how rude they are. I, I do sometimes feel like I'm going to. Uh, yeah, definitely. That I that I consider it a goal to cheer the person up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I guess um, if you're a stand up comedian, wanting to make someone laugh is not so far afield uh, in another context that isn't standing on a stage. But. On the other hand, it could be kind of a busman's holiday. That's true. It could be like, That's you know true. what? I, I worked all night. I'm going to be I'm the not... most humorless. I'm the robot yeah. now. I'm the robot yeah, exactly. now. Come and get uh, me. Now you're going. You're you're you've got tour dates. Yeah, you've got live tour dates. I do. Um, I do. How's how's that feeling? Are you? Is it so nice to have you started up? Yeah, yeah. I started in June. Nice, and it's great. I mean, I don't think it's going to last. Right. But uh, but it's it's fun. A lot of I work a lot. I haven't done a lot. But the places that I have been at so far, um, especially in June, because uh, I did some in July as well, uh, is um, they've some done social distancing within the theater. Sure. So people are spaced apart within, you know, it's not a huge percentage of a crowd yeah. there. And they're sitting separate. And then they do streaming. Right, right. And um, so it's a bit of a heavy lift. Right, right. Uh, because, you know, if if I, if I, and hopefully this won't happen, but if I were to go do a show and the attendance was very poor right. uh, for, for whatever reason, right. maybe poor advertising, not having anything to do uh -huh. with me, I assure you. <laughs> um, but if that happened, then probably like an MC or a house manager or somebody would go on stage and say, hey, you know what, you guys, sure. um, yep. why don't y'all gather up. Uh, you come on down front yes, here, right? Yes. So you gather the energy all in one place. And, of course, and the reason you do that, it's an energy issue. Uh, uh, you know, you get the, you know, the laughs come sort of, we tend to be influenced by the person beside us, and so it's more robust. Uh, and now we're doing the opposite yeah. of that. Yeah. So it is a bit of a heavy lift, but... But it is what it is. It's where we are. I don't want anybody to get sick. Of course. And yeah. so if that's what we, 
you know, if that's the worst of our problems is having a theater seated with some spaces in between people, yes. I think I can cope. Yeah, I know. Agreed. And you're so right. And I, I do have a very loud laugh. And I'm so glad that I am sort of in a world where I know the laughs matter. So I don't even think twice about doing it. But as you were describing it, I absolutely could imagine myself isolated with, you know, just empty seats all around me and just how sonorous my laugh would seem <laughs> when like my the cough. only person I'm close to is me. It just my laugh is very resonant. And so uh, hopefully. But in know, the right place, yeah. it's uh, listen, I always love laughter. I, years ago, we went camping with some friends when my kids were little. And um, in fact, it was my daughter's preschool teacher who I became very close mm -hmm. to during the ordeal of my daughter being in preschool. Uh -huh. And um, so our family said, you know, so we went camping together the summer after preschool. And um, we, uh, we went to bed that night. Um, you know, we had little kids, so we went to bed earlier sure. than some of the other people. It was a campgrounds. Um, and there was a tent near us where they were, you know, kind of partying all night, you know, laughing and sitting around the campfire and blah, blah, blah. And we got up in the morning and my kid's preschool teacher comes out of her, uh, Judy was her name. Judy comes out of her tent and she's just pissed uh -huh. at these sure. people. You know, she's like, I couldn't sleep all night. They said, you know what I And I had the exact opposite reaction. I was like, oh, I loved it. I, the sounds of people having a good time. Oh yeah, I love that. Oh, um, that that I could I I I I think I slept with a smile on my face. Oh my god, I that would love night to have probably that. probably a rock just under my rib cage, <laughs> but a smile on my face. That's I mean it's interesting you would say that because it's true that as a child. Uh, I'm sure like many kids, like I, I loved falling asleep to the sound of voices in the other room. That really was. I mean, that feels I like it's too. so innately genetic. Like that is such a sound of safety for a young creature who is sleeping and feeling like, yes, the adults are they've got this. I'm not alone, you know, to feel like you're part of that community. I mean, I feel like that's got to be so ingrained in our evolution. Uh, and then at some point, some of us lose that and become irritable instantly when there's the sounds of somebody having a good time. So I love that you held on to that. Is that always been true? Have you like since a child did you just hold on to the kind of like, oh, that's a good, you know what? That's a good sound. It's just a great, I, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, who doesn't, who doesn't like happiness? I mean, if it was derisive, if people were running around my tent, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. shouting mean things at me and laughing, I, I think I'd be upset. But, um, my mother used to, uh, now, all right, uh, I forget what book I was reading, um, where the author, it was a nonfiction book, uh -huh. where the author tells the story of a town, I think it was in Pennsylvania, but I can't swear to okay. it. Um, it was a largely immigrant town, maybe almost in, of um, people from a, a lot of people actually from the same area of Italy. Uh -huh. And they found that the people there lived, on average, an unusually long life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, doctors came to the area to try to, you know, figure out how this was. Uh, they thought, well, maybe it's because it was a hilly area. 
And so people, you know, walked on the hills, maybe, no, wasn't that? And they, you know, maybe it's because they all eat healthy food. No, no, this is kind of an Italian bill affair. No, no, a lot of pasta. Yeah. Um, what they finally settled on was that people stopped by for a cuppa. Oh. And uh, this, uh, my mother used to have friends that would stop by. Yeah. And my mother was largely kind of an angry person. And so, you know, I think as a kid, I always felt like, oh, great. Someone is here, right. you know, keeping her in check, <laughs> right. um, making her happy for a little bit. But my favorite thing was when she would have um, people over to play Canasta, oh, which is a card game that I have no idea how to play. Same. But when, when they came over, they would send the kids upstairs, you know, so we'd have to go to bed. Um, this is at nighttime. They didn't do it in the <laughs> afternoon. That would just be mean. <laughs> um, but uh, we'd have to go to bed uh, while my mom and her friends played Canasta. And the sound of Mrs. Hollis in particular, <laughs> who was from Maine, the sound of her laughing would come through, you know, the floor uh-huh. of my bedroom. And, oh, did I love that sound. Oh, man. So she, um, she was from Maine and you were in Massachusetts? Massachusetts. Yeah. Like Boston yeah. proper or outside Boston? No, no, no. Uh, burb. Okay. Uh, it's Sudbury. Yeah. Uh, a, a sleepy little town. In fact, I often accuse Sudbury of having narcolepsy. <laughs> um, it was, uh, it was a, it, it, there was nothing there. Yeah. It sort of, uh, we had, I mean, we had like a grocery store, um, maybe even a couple grocery stores, like a hardware store, but there wasn't, you know, the downtown was pretty much that and Sudbury pizza and a pharmacy. Yeah. And now you've done it. Uh-huh. That was it. <laughs> How far away was it from, like, were people commuting into Boston for work or was everybody? Uh, some people at did. The I don't think probably a lot. Some people did. Uh, Sudbury's, no, some, Sudbury's main industry was, pro, pro, well, when we first, my, when my parents first moved there, it was a, to some degree a farm town, but it also had Raytheon. Okay. So my, um, I was raised uh, on the money from Trident missiles. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I'm so proud. Um, I know, yeah. You know, whatever. I, I, I feel like I've, in, in, the, in my nine and a half years of doing this podcast and talking about people where, uh, with people about where they grew up, there's a lot of small town Massachusettsians. That can't be right. Massachusettsians? Well, Massachusetts is a very small state. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, just... Uh, all the towns have to be small right. because otherwise there could only be two towns. Right. It's a very small state. I mean, Rhode Island. When I go to Rhode Island, someone else has to leave. <laughs> That's how small Rhode Island is. Um, they, I've never yeah, been there because they've ne- no one. Whenever I want to go there, no one is in the mood. No to one's leave. willing to leave. So I've never been yeah. there. I've never been to Delaware. Uh, I mean, I'm from Arizona, oh. and I've I've only sort of lived west of Arizona. I've certainly traveled plenty to the East Coast, but I definitely have not gone to the little teeny baby states, and I regret that. I need to make that happen. I mean, it's when my kids were little, we had a wooden uh, puzzle map, you know. Yeah. And uh, when I don't think any one of my kids ever used it, uh-huh. um, but. Somehow it would get taken out sometimes, maybe while they were looking for another game or a toy. Right. And and it, it, inevitably, the states would spill out of the puzzle map. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was wooden. You had to put them in into like a, you know, a divot. Yeah, I can see it perfectly and, in my mind. Uh, I'm not, despite the fact that I have globes all over my house and a, and a 
a rug in the in the, in the front room of the house that is a map of the United States. Despite that, and despite the fact that I have traveled for forty something years, <laughs> I still am not that good at what state is where. Right, me neither. Um, I, I and and I'm from New England, but when I would go to put the puzzle map away, um, and again, the only one that was really using it was me because I had to put the states back in to put it away. Um. I would get up to the small states in New England and I would just be like, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where they go. It's all the same. Uh, eventually, I just, yeah, and, you know, I think the cat ate Connecticut and I'm fairly certain I vacuumed New Hampshire. And eventually, I just put them in a Ziploc bag. I'm like, it's fine. Seriously, there's only one or two people with great state pride that care where which of those states is located. Agreed. And I can't believe you didn't write a children's book called The Cat Who Ate Connecticut, because that really oh. feels like a, that feels like a bestseller. I feel like a child would be very interested in what that could possibly mean and what it would be about. That's a great idea. Right? You know, what I just heard is that 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 pigeon bus driver book is like the second highest selling children's book of all time or so like somehow has some uh a lot of sales do you yeah. know which one i'm talking about i don't about? even know which one you're talking about there's a pigeon who's a bus driver is what i gather something like that or the pigeon takes the bus <laughs> or i can't remember anymore um, and it's one of the highest selling if not the second highest selling book just something across like the that board. yeah it's a, yeah which i just i mean i can kind of i can kind of in my head put together an image of the font and it's like i i don't but i that's yeah completely huh I'm, i am so i'm weird. just looking to see if i if i google or in my case duck duck go pigeon kid pigeon, book. yeah let them oh i've seen this you know what you're right don't let the pigeon drive the bus there I've you are. absolutely seen this book. I don't have kids, so I don't feel too terrible. But I will say that I 100% recognize exactly the font. And yes, the little drawing of the bird. Uh, I'm going to have to get deep into this and find out what I've been missing. Because, I mean, I trust everyone. And if everyone says this is the book to have, I might have to pick this guy up. I don't up. trust. <laughs> I don't trust everyone. I you know trust why I don't everyone. trust everyone. I don't trust everyone because sometimes the bachelorette <gasps> trends right. on Twitter. That's right. That's sometimes, a good reason. I'm surprised it's all the time. Yeah. Well, I think they have like a like a, you know, a Russian warehouse of people. <laughs> you know, they hire people to make things trend. That's right. Um, and I think that that show does that because uh, there's really no reason i gotta tell you that is one of those shows where in the alt comedy world that and real housewives get a lot of like a lot of love that that started out ironic from a lot of comics i know but really but ended oh, up I being a thing awful. that they really care about and so there's they're sort of like straddling the the line of i'm making fun of this but also i you know clearly love talking about this so that's definitely something that but i'm i sort of missed the boat on that um i did not let the pigeon drive the bus on that one because i do not yeah. uh, those aren't shows that i watch either um yeah i don't yeah i just simply can't join in with mass opinion on most things in fact sometimes it makes me dislike something oh sure um, like, I, I love the Harry Potter books. Yeah. And if, um, if I hadn't gotten up, you know, started reading them to my kids at the point at which I did, I might have intentionally eschewed them. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, uh, because it had such mass appeal. 
Um, and that would have been a big loss because they were terrific books and so great to read aloud to my kids as they were growing up. I read the entire series aloud twice. That's awesome. Twice? Yeah. That's a lot of yeah. books. It is a lot. That takes up. Um, that definitely, that that covers a lot of territory in terms of well, you I always skimmed. reading when I skimmed. It's hard to skim when you're reading aloud. <laughs> I'd pick the occasional yeah, sentence to, to throw out as I was skimming if I thought it sounded interesting yeah. enough. <laughs> Harry. Um, you know, when, when okay, so I don't know if you have nieces and nephews or if you babysat or whatever, yeah. but you have this experience as a parent, which is your kid gloms onto a favorite book that they like you to read to yes. them. And when you're tired and it's the end of the night, a common parenting technique is to summarize um, or just read like one sentence. But kids <laughs> are at a very young age, yeah. although they can't read the book and they couldn't even tell you what the words are. They've sort of memorized the rhythm and the length of, no, you're usually on that pitch for longer. Yes, indeed. And so when you go to flip it, they'll put their little hand out and go, no, no, you didn't do the whole. Um, it's very hard to skim. Yeah. Uh, with oh a, no, they're way they're way too savvy. They're way too savvy. I used to fall asleep while reading aloud to my children and continue to read. But what would happen is at some point I would start to say stuff that wasn't oh, in the I book. I love this. And our favorite one ever, and I think it was it was either a Harry Potter or a or a uh uh Frank L. Baum, you know, one of the, Aussies, one of the yeah. Wizard of Oz series. It was one of the two of those that I was reading aloud to my girls one night. And we, our elementary school had a, a maintenance guy named Stan. Stan was a really nice guy and particularly good to me and my kids. And um, so I'm reading aloud and all of a sudden I go, poor Stan. <laughs> and, you know, the kids were like, wait, Stan's, Stan's not in the Wizard of Oz. They totally... Yeah, mom, mom, you're asleep. I, I did it uh, frequently. That's. Uh, I feel like that's really cool, and I feel like that I've only had one friend who would sort of doze off when we were hanging out as a group, and then she would start sleep talking almost right away. And that seemed like it felt like some kind of mark of genius or something. It felt like some the idea that the veil between sleeping and being awake would be such that for somebody that they could continue kind of you know, talking to the point where you would, it would take something like poor Stan to sit, to, ha to have someone go, wait, 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 wait. Like that feels very <laughs> special to me. Do you know what I mean? Like when I, when I fall asleep, that's it. It's I'm my, everything's, my eyes are closed. It's, it's all over. over. And I'm yeah. kind of envious of that because it feels like, you know, it's around the corner from maybe like a lucid dreaming type thing. I just think it's cool to, to sort of straddle that, you know? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's really a mark of any kind of intelligence. I did. I I have. Um, everyone has uh, uh, um, obsessive compulsive disorder. It's only diagnosed based on the degree to which it interrupts your life. Mm. And there certainly have been periods of my life where it's interrupted a lot. Um, so when I was um, eighteen, I both worked and lived in a restaurant. And part of the reason I lived there was because I worked there so much it was kind of silly to leave. <laughs> Uh, because I would I would clean until the wee hours of the night, yeah. and then I would start again in the morning. And so I would just sleep on a couch in the in the office. And um, 
one time I, I, I cleaned and bussed tables. So that was my actual job was table bussing. Um, but for 48 hours and, um, the, it, and in the morning of the 48th, you know, hour, yeah. I, what I fell asleep while vacuuming. Oh, it was an upright vacuum. So I'm pushing it back and forth. And, I said, and then I, and then I, well, I woke up from that and then I, um, and then I was setting tables. It was the kind of restaurant where there was like a placemat and the fork and the knife and the uh, spoon and the, and the napkin. Yeah. So I was setting tables and I fell asleep while setting tables. So I don't know that it's a sign of brilliance of any sort. Maybe just doing I stuff to you're used it. to doing. I refuse to believe it. Wait, who was, okay, who, wait, I got to unpack this restaurant business. Where was this in Boston? Yeah. And you were a teenager? I was eighteen. I was a young adult. And, yep. and they and did they know that you were working so hard and so long that you would just crash out? And they were just like, "This they is great. We have a great in worker." In the beginning, uh-huh. eventually they knew, and then they let me stay there. I actually moved my stuff into the basement of the of the restaurant. I didn't own a lot of things. I used to be able to move in a cab, um, which I I miss. And I would go to the Y. Um, to take a shower. I remember yeah. the lady who worked the desk at the Y was just fascinated <laughs> sure. that um, that I lived in a restaurant. Um, but I did. And what was cool was every now and then, because at that time I had just started working, uh, you know, or going to open mic nights and going to, you know, comedy shows in Boston. The resurgence of stand-up comedy had just begun to take place in Boston. And uh, so occasionally I would go out and then I would, you know, come back with somebody just to hang around to no big relationships or anything but just to to hang around and uh we'd go to the restaurant you know and i'd unlock the door and we'd go in and i could get him a soda from the gun thing right and uh yeah uh and people were always had sort of a funny look on their face the whole time yeah i live here you know, this is nothing, nothing you're saying is dissuading me from this idea about you being, I mean, first of all, I have the deep burden of already knowing how special you are. So I've dragged that baggage into this conversation with me already because you're Paula Poundstone. Well, that's very sweet of you. But, you know, nothing that you're saying, again, and by the way, this also sounds like a children's book. The girl who lives and works in the restaurant feels also like a great children's <laughs> book that I would 100% read. And it would sound very exciting and like, oh, like the kids who spent the night at the mall. Like it would sound very yeah. uh, exotic and cool. Um, but I mean, that's uh, again, you know, we're talking about somebody who like there are a lot of people in who are 18 are particularly excited to live by themselves and diff and really nest in in some kind of way you know in whether it's hanging the posters that they want on their wall to kind of show everybody who might or might not come over that they love rush or you know <laughs> you know get excited to like put together their first piece of crappy furniture that they then want to just destroy as soon as they put it together because it was such a pain in the ass but those things are they're sort of identity building you know the physical things that people look around at that they feel help define them and the fact that you were already in the space where what was exciting to you and what was defining you um if i may just totally assume all of this which could be total bullshit but that you were that that was kind of being reflected projected and experienced for you on stage um and that thing everything was serving that purpose uh that's 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 pretty cool and i'm sorry but it is special it, you know looking back it was 
it was a unique choice <laughs> and uh and it was it was fun uh, um i mean it was fun until it wasn't um a lot of the people that because i didn't have aspirations at that point in my life um i uh, i had start you know i had started doing stand up but i'm not sure that i i knew that i could make that into something gotcha. and i would say that shortly after this point I absolutely knew that I had to. Yeah. Um, and partly because of this, which is when I first started working at that restaurant, um, you know, there were all these employees that I, I loved. I mean, we had such a good time together, a lot of laughing. Yeah. Um, but they were either college students, um, so they'd be there for a couple months and, and then not be there anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, one woman was... Uh, you know, wanted to be an actress and a singer. And and it was people for whom this was a stepping stone to something not in a restaurant. And I more thought of myself as someone who might work my way up to manager. And at a certain point, when all the people that I had enjoyed so much went on with another part of their life, like one friend of mine who took a trip like, you know, to some island country, you know, like one of those young people trips, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, going from place to place, backpacking kind of mm-hmm. thing. And I was like, then when I would go to put the, my, my table busing apron on, the, the little loop that went around my neck started to feel like a noose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, uh-oh, boy. Yeah. Didn't, didn't, didn't think this out very carefully. <laughs> and so I... I was sort of inspired by people who had um, a plan. A plan is a good thing to have, by the way, just to anybody listening. Just a plan. And then you can alter the plan. Mm -hmm. It's always okay to retool the plan. But a plan is not a bad idea. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Well, Wonderfuls, were you tantalized the last time I told you about Dipsy? Remember, everyone needs an escape, but those can be very hard to come by right now. So, enter Dipsy. Let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Yes, you. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash jvclub. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash JV Club. Dipsystories.com slash JV Club. We have wasted this world. Our magic put a storm in the sky that has rendered the surface of our planet uninhabitable. But beneath the surface, well, that's another story entirely. In a city built leagues below the apocalypse, survivors of the storm forge paths through a strange new world. Some seek salvation for their homeland above. Others seek to chart the vast undersea expanse outside the city's walls. And others still seek what else? 
fortune, and glory. Dive into the Ether Sea, the latest campaign from the Adventure Zone, every other Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is supported in part by Green Chef, America's number one meal kit for eating well. Wonderfuls, I am just getting started with Green Chef, and I have found myself staring at the upcoming menus like a person obsessed in a great way. I mean, I'm fantasizing about the Boom Boom Shrimp Bowls. I am also gazing very longingly at the blackened tilapia. I'm talking chipotle aioli with lime, roasted veggies, pepitas, and guacamole. So here's the thing about Green Chef. Green Chef takes care of meal planning, grocery shopping, even some food prep, giving you more time to tackle what I like to call back-to-school season. Recipes include pre-made and pre-measured sauces, dressings, and spices, so you can get more chef-curated flavor in less time. And there are 30 weekly recipe options. Yeah, I said it, 30. And you can also switch up your plan whenever you're ready to try a new way of eating. I have the whole cannot eat gluten thing because of a real-life allergy, so I absolutely am digging the paleo and keto option. I'm getting all kinds of nutrients, all kinds of delicious flavors without the stuff I don't want. Now, if I may, I know what you're thinking. Janet, I too want to stare hungrily at upcoming meals I'm going to get from Green Chef. Friends, go to greenchef.com slash jvclub100 and use code jvclub100 to get $100 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash jvclub100 for $100 off. I would say I was definitely not a person with a huge plan as a young person, uh, like when I was 18. But I definitely kind of just went to the college that it made sense for me to go to. And Where did I you go? I went to, well, I'm from Arizona and I went to Northern Arizona University for the first kind of half of college before I moved to San Francisco because I had been bitten by the San Francisco bug on a single visit at age 13 was like, I want to end up here. Oh, um, it's a great place. But, but I, you know, while I was there, I mean, I was undeclared for a while and then I sort of tumbled back into theater, not because I thought it was practical in any way, shape or form, but just because it was like, I guess I'm I guess I do this. Like, I've always been the kid who liked doing theater in her public high school and grade school. And um, and so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that I had a plan that I deviated from, but it also wasn't that I was so aimless that I didn't that I wasn't doing anything at all. Um, but. You know, I think it would have been nice to feel like I had spent some time imagining even one day later than the day I was living in, which I often feel like it I'm felt like, like that now, right? Because everything is so oh God, yeah. um, uncertain, yeah, that it is really hard to, you know, have a big plan. I'll tell you one thing that the pandemic has brought into very clear focus for me: I am not essential. Yeah. Um, it was a Same. tough lesson, uh-huh. but as it turns out, and I didn't have a plan. I mean, financially, sometimes late at night, my own mouth gapes open uh-huh. when thinking about how naive I've been. Yeah. It just, or one might say stupid. That's another way. Um, you know, and I watch the news a lot. Like I, I watch the news hour on PBS almost every night. Yeah. And I watch, you know, I sort of walk around with MSA, NBC playing on my stupid phone in my pocket. Yeah. And uh, so I listen to MSNBC a lot. And um, on both of those outlets, there are uh, ads for um, financial planning companies. 
Right. And I've been listening to, I've been watching these programs for years. <laughs> and then when all this happened, I'm like, how is it possible that I keep hearing these ads and I never thought for a minute, not for a minute yeah. to have a plan yeah. financially? Yeah. And you know, my answer is, I didn't think they were talking to me. Right. I don't yeah. look anything like the people in those commercials. <laughs> a lot of them have gray hair, and I dye my hair. So I had no idea. Cross I that was off the list. A, yeah. yeah I, I had no idea I was at an age where I needed to do that. Yeah. Um, and by the way, young people, now is the time. Yeah. It, it, you know, that which... Uh, and then the other thing is they're always... Like a lot of times they're part of a couple. That's a big thing. It'll yes. be like a, a gray-haired couple. And they'll be holding hands, walking on a beach at sunset, or they'll be dipping their toes into the water while, you know, speeding over the ocean in a little catamaran. Yeah. Or they'll be scuba diving. Apparently, we get to an age where we just take to the water. That's right. I am not at that age yet. So I just never yeah. even... I have one, speaking of San Francisco, I have one little piggy bank that, it, that I got a thousand years ago when I lived in San Francisco... It's a Victorian San Francisco house, um, and it has a slot in the top of it. And I have some, <laughs> I have some quarters in there. But that's about right. as far as I've gone. Listen, real estate these days in San Francisco, you might be able to sell that piggy bank, and someone might move in. I mean, someone could things, live yeah. there. Yeah, somebody, somebody might really benefit from that. So, yeah, what, what a mistake they're making, by the way, San Francisco. Uh, I don't know what forces. I'm not an economist or a realtor. I don't know what forces go into. Um, uh, making housing so expensive there. Yeah. But, you know, when I lived there and I moved, I, I went moved is a strong word, but I arrived there mm -hmm. in 1980 on a Greyhound bus. And, uh, you know, I had a, a blue suitcase of some sort of Naga hide or something mm -hmm. and, uh, and, a, and a yellow uh, uh, back day pack. Yeah. And I, I fell in love with it. And so I didn't leave. Um, and I could live so inexpensively. Yeah. And I palled around with all these other people that had come from other places and made San Francisco their home. And we had a thriving, interesting, exciting, funny yeah. stand-up comedy scene there. Yeah, did you ever? And I would argue that they could not do that again. Oh, no. Be I mean, we I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I produce uh, a comedy festival in San Francisco called SF Sketch Fest. And this this last. No, year I didn't that know had, that. Yeah. This last year would have been our 20th anniversary. And um, and, you know, like we um, and Robin came to our first festival 20 years ago. And when it was in a tiny, like 75 seat theater and was like, this is so cool that you're doing a tiny sketch festival. Nothing exists like this anymore at all. And uh, like now when we have quote unquote local stand-up comedians, most of them can't live in San Francisco. Like they're coming yeah. in from the East Bay and they're coming in even from like if, things have gotten bad if you can afford to live in Mill Valley, but you can't afford to live in oh San Francisco. Like if you're going north and somehow that's more affordable, something is so wrong because that's right. like Don't... that was where the rich people lived. You know, absolutely. So yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. Uh, that's uh, Barbara Boxer country. That's right. Uh, that's right. Who I love, by the way. Um, uh, uh, yeah. It's just it, it, when there's a community 
that was so well known for, I mean, you know, my focus was stand-up comedy when I was there, but it was, there were so many sort of artists and people who, I don't know, you know, made, whether it was, uh, I remember there was a terrific, fun, funny dance troupe there called the Rhythm Methods. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, the, the great, wonderful um, Armistead Malpin was there. And, yes, indeed. Um, and uh, there were just so many. Uh, uh, there was uh, the Pickle, Pickle, Family, Pickle Family Circus, Circus yeah. was there. And so many great artistic endeavors yeah. um, there. And that, it, it, that can't be anymore. I know. And it, like, and you know, when I, when I moved there, I moved there in 96, beginning of 96. And I could not, I mean, I was reading Tales of the City, you know, every day I would sort of go to wherever he was describing. And I went to, you know, the little pocket in, uh, I guess it's not Knopp it's like on the other side of Powell, like getting on into North Beach that inspired his little enclave and all of that stuff, like all the old money existed. There were certainly tons and tons of money in San Francisco, but there was also, there was just so much more diversity economically and racially that it just that that's you know that's what you think of when you think of san francisco so it is it's i i so want that again for it and there was like a second during the pandemic where as grim as this sounds i really because so many techies were leaving and there were these stories of these this the mass exodus that was happening all these people for who worked for twitter and google and all these you know and they were just leaving so there was like ugh, all the restaurants are closed i i don't care for this that's I, know, I feel I apologize to those of you who are really good people who work at those companies, but you can afford to pay really high rents. And there was this moment where it was like, oh, what if what if a bunch of poor artists could move back into the city like that might like maybe this is maybe that'll be the silver lining of this horrible, horrible thing that's happening to everyone. But, you know, in San Francisco, maybe that'll be the, the silver lining. And then, you know, a couple of months later. I remember again reading an article that was like, "Well, everybody's moving back in. People decided yeah. they didn't they didn't want to move to Illinois. They wanted to be in San Francisco, so they're coming back." And that was just a very temporary, like minor vacancy that occurred. But oh, that's stupid. They went and stayed in their in their you know summer home. Yeah, uh, just for a little while. Yeah, that's too bad. Um, so. Yeah. Well, I wish that um, brighter minds would prevail in terms of uh, making room for uh, low income housing and um you know just opportunities for oh God, yeah otherwise there's, they're going to lose their identity if they haven't already no well there's this one place uh that still exists called theater arto and in it it's still a little like complex of these lofts and you know artists live workspaces that have been around i believe since the 60s and it's still doing wow. that. It's still preserving. I never knew about that place. Yeah, it's really, it's really cool. Um, and you have to be an artist. You know, if somebody, it really is like someone dies, and then that place opens up, and then the little tiny homeowners association of of folks who are at, at this point more, you know, a little older, and <laughs> in some cases very old, and they sort of screen in 
the people who are going to come in because they preserve the uh, the affordability of it and oh, you have to that. like qualify as a person who you know that it makes sense to live inside that little community it's like thank god there's one there's yeah. one we'll take it you know yeah um so and i wouldn't that, ap- i wouldn't apologize to those techies by the way all right listen yeah. we're gonna that's what editing's no. for we can chop this thing all up all sound <laughs> all sound all kinds of cool and unforgiving by the time this is over um when you went to san francisco on the Rayhound, uh because i definitely know this about you but was it just because i mean for one thing i guess the ocean is after that but uh was it because you had heard that san francisco was kind of a a, a place to go if you were doing comedy yeah, I I had um, some of my fellow Boston comics had uh, gone out maybe to do the silly, stupid competition stand-up comedy competition in yeah. San Francisco. Maybe that's why they went there. Um, it was my perception at the time that they just sort of stumbled onto it. Right, but that might not be true. Um, uh, but they would. On their way out, it was a big deal it, 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 to all of us that these guys from Boston were going to other cities. Yeah. And this is, uh, it, listeners have to understand that this is pre-cell phone. Yeah. And so um, we would, the comics uh, that were at a particular club on a, on a given night, we would gather around the payphone waiting for one of these guys and there was like two or three that had gone out together yeah and uh we would wait for them to call and then when they called like you know a leader in the group would answer the phone and they would sort of we were literally all clustered around and they would say you know he says he's in chicago and we'd all be like oh he's in chicago wow and uh and the, the we were so excited and and this was the first that it had occurred to me that there were places in other cities uh, where people were doing what we were doing. Yeah. And and so I had a hard time um, getting a, a real, I had a hard time developing and in Boston as a comic. Yeah. Because it was a bit sexist, uh, because it was very um, uh, cliquish. Yeah. And I was just not one of the cool kids. Yeah. And so... Um, uh, you know, in order for me to get stage time, I, I figured, you know what? I need to go see what places are like in different cities. Sure. So I contacted these guys when they came home. And, uh, you know, I'm telling you, they came back, you know, they were like Marco Polo or something. You know, they were <laughs> they were dripping with stories uh-huh. from the outside. And we were so excited. I, I remember feeling, I, re- I remember feeling, Feeling that the Boston community was threatened if a comic that wasn't very good went to another place from Boston. We oh, felt sure. it was going to reflect badly on the rest of us because we were idiots. Um, so uh, so I got from these guys, you know, the names and some places that they had been and addresses and things. And I and I I bought what was called an Ameripass back then. It was a blank ticket book that that was uh in effect for 30 days yeah. so for 30 days you could you could take the bus to wherever you wanted um on these you know on your ameripass ticket book and uh you just had to have you know somebody write out the destination each time you were going to another place um and here is a lot of how i lived um i would 
if I wanted, say, to see Denver, mm -hmm. I would get myself on the it would take the Greyhound bus, get, you know, get into Denver. When I got there, I would put my suitcase into a locker. Sure. Uh, I would go look at the schedule of departures uh, from Denver. I would find a place that was four hours away. I would find the latest departure to that place that was four hours away. Yeah. So it wasn't, but say it was Evergreen, you know, Colorado. Sure. It wasn't, but say it was. I would come back at that time for that departure to Evergreen, Colorado, four hours away. I would take the bus there. And as soon as I got there, I would take it back to Denver. And in that way, I got my eight hours sleep. My God, that's crazy. And I did that's that. amazing. For, I did it for like a couple of months. Wow. And uh, it was, um, you know, looking back, I think it was kind of cool. Yeah. If one of my kids had done that, mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have said no because it's not my place to say no. Right. Um, uh, when they're adults, but I, I certainly would have worried. Yeah. Um. Did you ever have any experiences that led you to go, ah, oh, maybe this wasn't, maybe, maybe this isn't great? Or was it like, fine? It didn't fine? put me off, but yeah. I did definitely deal with, um, like, okay, so one time I'm on the bus and I'm sitting in the window. And you know, when people come on, they can sit in an empty seat. You don't, you don't own the seat beside you. Sure. So this guy, uh, he was wearing overalls and he comes and he sits in the seat beside me. And at a certain point... He sticks his hands into his pants. Oh, no. Yep. And I'm, like, so embarrassed and so, like, not knowing how to handle this. Yeah. And I'm, I just sort of pretend that visually my head can't turn. You know, I'm just like, I am not going to say a word. I am yeah. not going to look. And he knew yeah. that, you know, my, my head was totally focused on what an ass this guy was. Yep. And, uh, and so I thought, you know, I'm not going to have a conversation with him. I'm not going to talk about his private parts. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so this is what I did. I said, can you excuse me? And I got, you know, he got up and I went up to the driver. And I was, I couldn't say to the driver what this guy was doing. Yeah. I just couldn't. So I leaned down to, as, to whisper to the driver. I said, uh, um, when do we get to the next stop? And because I whispered, the driver whispered back. So the man never knew what I said uh -huh. to him. And when I came back, I can't remember if I sat in another seat when I got back or if I just went back to that seat. And eventually, I think that he moved. Yeah. But I think he thought I was ratting him out and he was going to be thrown off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but that was, and then another time, it was late at night. I, so I was doing my four-hour thing. So, and I think I was in Canada, I think. Um, so I go, most of the places there were, there were um, Graham bus, it was, obviously it was never fancy, but there were stations that were comfortable enough. Yeah. You felt safe enough. Yeah. But it never occurred to me that one of the places wouldn't have a station. So uh. I, or... Maybe, I can't remember anymore, maybe it opened and closed or sure, something, but sure. so the late night travel, yeah. um, you just, you know, someone was supposed to pick you up, right? And yeah. there was no, so I arrive at this place, it's dark, 
It's Ugh. cold. Oh, no. It's the middle of the night, oh, and there's just a bench. Uh, and so I'm sitting on the bench, and I, 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 I scare fairly easily. <laughs> and so I see this light. And I'm telling you, it's the middle of nowhere. I think there was a field across from me, but I couldn't really see because it was dark. Um, and I see this light coming towards me from a long ways away as I'm sitting there, and it gets closer and closer, and my heart is pounding. And yeah. I'm thinking, you know, yeah, like, honestly, if there was someone out there that was some sort of a, you know, a rapist or a mass yeah. murderer, eh, he would wait months for someone to arrive, I think, uh -huh. uh, for his prey. Um, but anyway, it's coming closer and closer to me, and I'm getting, I'm getting really, and I have a one, I have like the smallest Swiss Army knife. <laughs> And so I literally take out my Swiss Army knife and I, I unsheath this teeny, <laughs> tiny, unsharpened blade and I yeah. just sit with it in my hand. And then, I, and then the guy, came, he did come towards me. He was a passenger. He was waiting for the bus. Oh, I'm like, bless. oh, I didn't even think of that. Oh. I just thought he was going to kill me. But the but fact I, that you were a person who scares easily, yet you were doing these things that, you know... A different person might say, like, oh, I'm, I was way too timid. I was too paranoid and scared to even do that. So, like, the combination of being somebody who might be scared easily, but also, I mean, what what do you think? Was that, like, was it kind of naivete that... that probably. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it was I like, it was I would probably... be scared of it if I knew to be scared of it, because I scare easily, right. but I didn't know to be scared of it. That's exactly right. Yeah. I, it wasn't any kind of bravery or, um, you know big independent streak or something like that. It really was just mostly stupidity. Uh -huh. um, I, uh, that little knife. Oh, bless. Yeah. I believe I still have that little knife, by the way. <laughs> and uh, now I use it to open uh, onion bags uh -huh. at, a, at a food bank. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I do think a lot of, uh, I mean, to this day, I'm not very worldly. I don't, somehow I, there's like a, I don't know. But that's like, like, like yeah, to, to have to have traveled as much and to still feel like because there's just so much that get, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm talking about gum on the bottom of your shoe, but there's so much that gets on you just experientially from traveling all over the place that you might maybe you're a great example of sort of, you know, you can take the this out of the that, but you can't put the that into the this. I don't know. One of those sayings. But, you know, where <laughs> where it's like. You know, look, yes, I've I've traveled a ton and I've, you know, I'm performing for strangers and 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 all of that makes it seem like perhaps I'd be very worldly, but at the end of the day I'm still the person that I am and yeah, that it didn't convert in me into some new person, you know. Yeah. No, I think that's true. Um on the other hand, I I don't know how people know so much. I I really don't. I mean, you're walking um, around with the news on all the time and it doesn't seem to, you know, I still get, oh, all right, here's a, here, here's a, a story. Um, I lived years ago when I first came down to L.A. Um, I was going to move in with this friend of mine. And uh, I was going to rent a, a, a room in his house. Uh, and it was Taylor, Taylor Negron, who was a comic sure. from L.A. And, yeah. uh, and the house wasn't ready right away. So I had come down and somebody else let me stay at their place. And then that sort of ran out on me, you know, so I was couch surfing for yep. a little while. Yep. 
And I was at a party one night and I was friends with, not close friends, but friends with Timothy Leary and his wife, Barbara. Mm -hmm. And um, they, I, I was in the kitchen at somebody's house. It wasn't their house, uh, but it was a mutual friend. And I was doing the dishes because that is where I'm most comfortable at any party. Mm -hmm. So I'm washing the dishes and Barbara Leary comes in. And I, I was telling somebody of my plight that I had to move out of where I was. And Barbara very kindly said, well, you could come stay with us. And nice. I think at the time it was like I needed two weeks. But then, of course, that two weeks got longer and longer <laughs> until, they, until they threw me out. Uh -huh. um, and, and, we're, and we're perfectly justified in doing so, by the way. Yeah. But he was a very nice, generous guy. Yeah. Um, and when I when I pulled up at their at their house um, and they lived up like in the Hollywood Hills, uh, uh, when I pulled up at their house um, in my 65 Mustang with everything I owned packed into it, um, Tim came out of the house with his arms outstretched and said, welcome to one of your homes on the planet, um, which was like the most Tim Leary thing yes. that he could say uh, after a couple of weeks. Um, they did. They no longer wanted it to be one of my homes <laughs> on the planet, but it started out good. Um, but so they, they they let me use this guest room. It was very nice of them. And I used to, uh, you know, on I, I was on the road for like five nights a week. And the couple of nights that I was home, I would take a nap in the afternoon and then go to the Improv in Hollywood at night. And so I'd be in bed asleep. And at like five or six o'clock, either Tim or his stepson would come into the room with great excitement and say, the news is on. <laughs> and I said, thanks, thanks. <laughs> and then I would go back to sleep. <laughs> and uh, so one day they woke me up, uh, up enough that I said, can I ask you something? Why do you do that? <laughs> Why do you come in here and yell that the news is on? And Tim said, you don't watch the news? And I said, I, I don't actually. And he said, hey, what do you mean you don't watch the news? And I said, well, I never have. And so it would be like coming in in the middle of a movie. I really <laughs> don't understand anything. And he said, well, you come and watch with us. And anything you don't understand, you ask and we'll explain. And this, by the way, you guys, is before you could stop and pause. Sure. Right? So it was particularly generous of them. Um, and he did. And I asked really stupid questions. Uh, so this was many years ago. This would have been, er, er, you know, early to mid 80s. Yeah. And so one of the main stories on the news at that time was apartheid in South Africa. Sure. And uh, and my question was, what's apartheid uh -huh. <laughs> and what's South Africa? I mean, I was really at a I didn't even have a news starter kit. Right. I was, right. <laughs> I was excited about the commercials. That's how bad I was. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hey, wonderfuls. If you have five minutes, just five minutes to spare, we could use your help with an audience survey. It will help us keep the few ads we do run relevant to you. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey and know that we appreciate you so very much. 
Hey folks, it's me, James Arthur M., host of Minority Corner, your home through these wild times for weekly doses of pop culture, history, news, nerdy stuff, and more through a BIPOC queer and allied lens. And you need to put me in your picture. <laughs> I am Eartha Kit. Where am I right now? <laughs> Why it's February and March that you get to celebrate me and all the other beautiful black women in your life and or your history. And still to this day, we do not have a federal anti-lynching law. This is so bad. They were like, I didn't, I, I didn't even know any of this existed. Yeah, yeah. This <sighs> is God. why we have these conversations here. So join me and some of your new BFFs every Friday here on Maximum Fun to stay informed, empowered, and have some fun. Minority Corner, because together, we're the majority. Before we go, one thing I like to do is sort of create a palate cleanser, like leave you thinking about things you love, and we'll, we'll, we're going to call this your alternate universe life. That's Those were the things that were going one to come now. out of my mouth. Isn't that funny? So are we going to build an alternate universe and then I get to go there? I mean, the getting uh, there might be I beyond my purview, but I'm going to get, I'm going to put the qualities in there that uh that are appealing and then from there we're just gonna have to see we're just gonna have to see i'll make some calls and i'll see what i can do um the first category i would love for you to give me is three let's do three alternate universe uh careers that you would be potentially interested in and the cool thing about this alternate universe is it's like whatever level of bullshit you wouldn't want to have to deal with. We're just going to pretend like that, you know, that sort of gets taken oh, care okay. of. This is very oh, much wish fulfillment good. stuff. Um, so think about the the sort of upsides of three careers that you'd love to explore as uh, as Paula in this alternate universe. Uh, OK. All right. I like that. Um, hospice. Great. OK. Only if I could do this successfully. And I don't mean successfully in terms of money right although that wouldn't hurt uh -huh. um but i just mean if i you know if i mastered yeah. the ability to do it in a way that other people went hey yes. that's really good yeah um then uh then a novelist great um and uh i don't know if i had to say a third one i'd say astronaut great great if that great. ship may have sailed uh -huh. <laughs> Not in this alternate universe. Oh, There's all man, kinds of crazy stuff going in, on in this alternate universe, making certain things possible. For example, in this alternate universe, time moves in such a way that you have the opportunity to collaborate artistically, whatever that means for you, with the possibility you'll get one out of this. By the way, that's there's an eeny, meeny, miny, mo process that uh, is metaphysical, and you will end up with one from each category in this alternate universe. But this in this alternate universe, you can collaborate artistically with someone. So you could write, a, you know, a play with Eugene O'Neill, uh, or you could, uh, you know, write a book with Dorothy Parker, whatever. The, there's mm. there there's a sort of folding in of time in such a way that magically you're able to collaborate with someone who uh, does no longer exist. Um, oh, yeah. And and, yeah. and so who are three people that you would love to work on something with that it doesn't seem likely you're going to be able to do that with here? <sighs> oh, that's a good question. I love that question. Nice. Um, I like to think about that. I don't know if I know the answer exactly yeah. i'm trying to think here well um it's a bit off the cuff i know i'm asking yeah, you to yeah, design it's a it's universe it's, in five minutes so. yeah well yeah it's a lot <laughs> well betty davis and i you know be, do a film together hell yeah um, 
And, uh, okay, the Dick Van Dyke show. Yes. Would simply have me in it. Yes, indeed. Somewhere. Perfect. I don't know get, as I get it. who. Yep. And it would fold in nicely and not create waves. Yes. You 100%. Know. Um, okay. Remember the Academy Awards from just a couple of years ago where Lady Gaga yep. sang The Sound of Music? Yes. And Julie Andrews came on stage. Yes. I'm tearing up. I swear yes. to you. Yes. Julie Andrews came on stage and she said, my dear <sighs> Lady Gaga. <sighs> so I don't know what I would do. I don't know what artistic endeavor I would do that would create this. Yeah. But something that made Julie Andrews say, my dear Paula Poundster. Oh, my God. I love it. That would be like pinnacle. I love it. I went to... Um... I try to always do some sort of uh, holiday type thing when the um, when uh, why am I blanking on the f- stupid Frank Gehry building, um, the Walt Disney Concert Hall, when they do oh, stuff sure. around the holidays and they had a, a, a sing along that Julie oh. Andrews sort of, you know, because she's not singing so much now, right. but she sort of led it and kind of, you know, was the MC and it was so magical just to be oh, in the same gosh building as her it was it was really really something so i love this idea of yeah. something that brings her to uh, my dear paula poundstone i love it oh is that, I, I hope that lady gaga received it on that level I'm i'll bet sure you she, she did. did i'm she sure did. she did she's a she i think she gets it she gets the sort of legacy you know she's a she's a legacy appreciator is what is what i've well, decided to think be, about her she must be to have you know paired up with Tony Bennett, which was brilliant. Yeah. I, he couldn't have known about her. I, 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 I can't right. imagine that one or the other called one or the other up. <laughs> I, I would love to know where the idea came from. They bumped into each other at a corner bodega in the middle of New York City. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, I would love to know where the idea came from and how it, uh, but it was, uh, it was a great idea for both of them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, next category is three uh, books or films that you can jump into whenever you want, just to kind of take a break. It's almost like going on a little vacation. So you can stay there as long as you want or as little as you want, but you can jump in. You're not reliving the plot. It's just sort of world building. Mm-hmm. Any, any other fictitious place that it'd be fun to just kind of be inside that realm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Rob Petrie's office. Yeah, great. Um. I can't remember the name of the movie that came out that Daniel Redmayne won an Academy Award for playing Stephen Hawking. Yeah. But that would give, you know, I would certainly like to have been able to talk to him to ask him about this, um, to to give me a dumbed down version of this theory um, so that I could know if I'm on to something. And uh, of course... Mary Poppins, oh, um, so because great. to jump into the uh, sidewalk pictures. I was going to say, now you've created a, a dream within a dream, so to speak, because you can jump into Mary Poppins, and then within Mary Poppins, you can jump into yet other places because you have access to all of those chalk drawings. That's very clever. That's like wishing for more wishes with the genie. You got it. Oh, yeah. You nailed oh, and it. I would wish for more wishes you if I had it. You nailed it. Mary Poppins. Um, why can I also not think of the Stephen Hawking movie? Hawking movie. I want to say it's like... I think the word everything is every, in there somewhere. Yeah, everything of the something passes within the theory of everything. The theory of everything. Great. Great, Is great, it great. the theory of everything? It's the theory of everything. Wow. Yeah. The theory of um, Okay. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. Uh, it was very, very, I mean, 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Redmayne's performance. Oh was God! Even quite clips remarkable. I saw. I just I, I there's. I'm I'm such a I just blubber in movies and so I really some of them that when I feel too confident that I'm going to be very moved by the end um, I put off and then they just sort of leave my brain altogether and that sucks like that's not a great approach because there are a lot of great movies that I've missed out on because I'm like I'm sorry I just have to be in the mood to lose my shit and yeah, I'm not yeah. sure well, I have it in me and so I, I just hardly need to get over ever. That. I mean, I want movie theaters to make it through all this that we're going through because I yeah. think that watching something collectively is so important yeah. and that that is the way to watch a movie. But the, the, but the honest truth is, even in the years preceding, I go to the movies less and less and less just because I'm busy. Yeah. But we do have a tradition of going to the movie theater at Christmas Day. And I got to say, I have over and over again chosen the wrong movie. <laughs> um, I think we went to Manchester by the Sea one, oh, one no. Christmas. Like... <laughs> or or either Christmas or Thanksgiving, and you know it's it's an it was an okay movie. I don't think it was the best movie. It was okay, yeah. But I mean, depressing as all yeah. get out. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then, um, but the theory of everything was was not depressing, even though his individual, it was not depressing, yeah. Even okay. though you know his his illness was god awful, yeah. Um, but there was. Uh, some really uplifting ideas in it. Okay, I'm, um, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yep. Uh, all right, I'm going to see it. That's it. I'm going to see it. I'm making that commitment right now, and I'm excited about it. Okay, second to last category, three foods that in this reality perhaps you're allergic to or, you know, listen, you wish you could eat a whole package of Oreos, but now they make you feel sick, like when you were a kid, not so much. All of that stuff we're no, sort of turning on its ear. No, I still do stuff ear. like that. See, good yeah, God bless I, you. I still That's do. That's what I'm talking um, about. So this is like three foods. So it's like in this alternate universe, you could eat a steak, and there's zero ramifications to, you know, the planet. Um, you okay. know, you could eat so it's and you can have it at the snap of your finger so it could also be like oh i had this one beautiful you know piece of pie one time in, in vermont i never been i've never been able to find it again uh yeah three i try to swing vegan when it's convenient so say in this in this universe just like you're saying it was a it was a food that is either prepared in a way that it doesn't you know i don't bother any cows yes uh, or upset chickens. Yes. Um, so uh, uh, key lime pie. Great. I would have a lot, a lot of key lime pie. And and then for, uh, that would be the main course. Uh -huh. And then for dessert, I would have pecan pie. Uh -huh. But here's the twist. No pecans on it. I hate pecans. <laughs> okay. I just like the treacly stuff. Uh, and again, it's it's really egg and carrot syrup. So we'd have to, it would have to be created in such you know, a way you're so that right, I didn't though. bother You're eggs. so right. When I'm eating pecan pie, I'm not eating it for the pecans. I'm, oh, I hate I'm pecans. accepting the pecans. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I accept them. I don't have a hatred of them, but it is for sure because I'm enjoying everything around them. There's yeah, no, no question about it. The treacly stuff is it. the best. Okay. And so the, uh, so the first one was just that you can have beef and poultry and it's not, it's not actually like a harmful beef and poultry in any way. No, I don't would have. I don't would I don't. I don't like to eat anything that were it alive would rather I didn't. I know. I know. I know. But I've made a lot of progress, like but I'm still it. doing it. I've made a lot of progress, but there are certain animals I'm still doing it. Like with fish, I just, I've, I've, I just can't seem okay, to. Okay, well, your problem you know. with fish is not just the fish's personal feelings, and they don't like it. Yeah, I know. I can tell you that. I but know. it's also, you're eating plastic. 
No, you're right. You're absolutely right. We eat, I am told. I think it's a credit card worth of plastic a week. Oh, it's so fucked up. Yeah. And that's not even counting the fees. <laughs> oh, you totally Paula Poundstone me just then. God damn it, you're good. Yeah. But it is it is true that I I've, I have heard anyways from yeah. people that are I'm working sure on that right. issue that we eat a credit card worth of plastic sure a week. Right. That is gross. I'm sure you're right. So what is that? 52 credit cards a year. Oh, God. I'm in ter the terrible debt. My yeah. stomach is in terrible debt. You're dead right. You're dead right. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then final one. Let's do, there's a magical door inside your house, and that door opens up into any place you want. It could open to the streets of Paris. It could open to, you know, your grandma's house of the past. It could open to just a forest. Um, magical door that opens up to a place that you can just go whenever you want. Ooh. All right. I got it. I'm there. I got it. Great. I took a little, like a, a half a day kind of, if that, like a couple hour raft ride one time in Tennessee. Oh. And partway through the raft ride, um, and, you know, everybody on it's, you know, we're being told to paddle here, paddle there. And there were rapids and stuff. And of course, you had a life jacket on and you had a helmet on because yeah. there's rocks. Where there's rapids, there's rocks. Yeah. But partway through it, um, we were given the option of getting out of the boat into the water and body surfing down it. Oh. And, uh, oh my gosh, that was great. How that, cool. um, or I think too, one time I was in the Mediterranean Sea and I, and I, and that was good. So I'm taking you, one door opens to body... Now, let me tell you something. I got to warn you. It is sure sounding like you're turning into one of those people who takes to the water when they realize they need a financial planner. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Oh, damn it. Uh. Body surfing on the Tennessee Rapids, the Mediterranean Sea. And what's your last one? And please, oh, okay, God, wait. let okay. it be water related because uh, I'm going to be oh, so smug. Okay, wait. Um, I'm in Harry Belafonte's living room. But he's expecting me. He's, I've been invited. Great, 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 great. I think it's important that we establish that he's expecting you. Yeah, I didn't just storm into his, you know, the guy, you know, I don't think anybody needs that problem. Uh, Gosh, can I don't you imagine know. How she has a secret door, something about a door. She keeps yeah. talking about this door that opens up into my living room. <laughs> Can you imagine I can't how get rid of her. frightened you would be of that <laughs> curious little cabinet in this kitchen? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Give me a number between one and seven. Six. Okay, great. While I do the metaphysical, very mysterious uh, uh, portion of the, the, the MASH game where I establish which of these things in each category you will have oh, in your alternate boy. universe. Oh, okay. Will you please tell people about Nobody Listens to Paula and all the other wonderful various and sundry things that they should be checking out and being aware of and going and doing and enjoying of yours? Yes. Um, I have a podcast. It's called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Um, the reason I have a podcast is that I am a human being. <laughs> we, we all have podcasts Touché. now. Yeah. We, we, we breathe oxygen. We donate our young and we have a podcast. <laughs> That's, That's right. what unites us. That's right. 
<laughs> Sorry. Bless uh, I have a chronic cough. Um, it is a comedy podcast. Uh, and um, but every episode we have on an expert on some uh, topic that I interview, me and my partner, Adam Felberg. And um, so even if you don't go away feeling like it was the funniest thing you ever heard in your life, which I would say is uh, you'd be the odd man out. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, but if you, if you uh, um, at, at the very least, you'll go away with some real information right. on a particular topic. Uh, and it's a wide range of topics. N- nothing you could really encapsulate. Oh, you really covered your bases. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's very smart. I think my favorite piece of information that any of my interviewees have ever shared with me, it was a plumber. I'm not a plumber once. And she said, don't put Kleenex down your toilet. It was really helpful. God, and you would think that it was so similar to toilet paper that it would be the same, you know? Apparently it's not. Apparently it's a thicker, yeah. stronger weave. Yeah, uh, Weave's not the right word, but you get the yeah, idea. Yeah, I do, I do. Ply. And, it's, a, um, it's a bigger a ply, ply. It's a thicker, yeah. uh, stronger ply. It's a stronger ply. And since I have been told that, um, also pour hot water down your drain sometimes. Yes, indeed. Both down your toilet and your sinks. And uh, I'm not going to say that I never have to call the plumber, but yeah. much less frequently. Let me tell you, I'm going to throw in and I'll throw in a little kitchen extra, a little kitchen extra. Put some ice cubes in your garbage disposal if you have a garbage disposal, uh, like once a month. Ch- let those chop up. Uh, apparently, that helps clean and sharpen the blades. I didn't know that's that. What, that's what our that's what our plumber told us when we had a, a malfunction in our garbage disposal. Yeah. Well, I, I, th- then here's what I should do. I should go after the frost in my in my freezer with um my old <laughs> small that's Swiss right. Army knife. <laughs> That's right. You just needed the right tool, and you had it all along. You yeah. had it. Oh my gosh! All this is along. so Wizard of Oz. Oh god. Okay, I've got your results. I'm very excited about them. Let me say this: I really was rooting for one of the two Rob Petrie slash Dick Van Dyke show moments, yeah. and for some reason, and listen, we're talking about multiple universes here. So in, I'm sure yeah. in some other universe, that's all happening. In this universe. This universe took a, a very specific uh, tack for those two categories because you have a house. We're going to give you your house. Uh, it's like a little vacation home. So you have a second home that's mm-hmm. actually inside of Mary Poppins, which Ooh. you can also then jump into other things and be with cartoons and have all the, the thrill of being uh, with the little cartoon chalk penguins as well. Oh, and then that. you also have... This real life relationship and collaboration with Julie Andrews. And when you said Mary Poppins, to be honest with you, I wasn't even thinking about Julie. I was thinking about Mary Poppins, like it was a separate person. Me too. And so I love that you both got Julie and Mary Poppins. That feels like, that just feels like a lot of very positive Julie Andrews energy that came our way, especially because we ended up talking about her specifically. So I love that. Yeah, I think that's a good sign. Whether or not she is going to be on board for the Tennessee River Rapids body surfing that you can do (laughs) whenever you want, just by the turn of a knob in your house, Yeah, uh, I can't say. But that to me sounds like a really, really fun adventure. And the fact that you could... Get out of the rapids, lightly towel off, and then sit down to a pecanless pecan pie whenever you want with zero ramifications. 
that's a big deal. That is so, a big deal. Well that's done, a, you. That's a life that I'm putting. Remember, I said before that having a plan is that's a good right. idea. This is the plan. That's what I'm planning for. This now. is a plan. As if all of that weren't enough, I want you to rest assured you are going to outer space <laughs> as an astronaut. Oh, gosh. That, that means would be you great. know all kinds of stuff about physics and whatnot. Uh, you are you are also an astronaut, so this is an extremely exciting and impressive alternate universe that uh, that you have built, uh, wow. essentially of whole cloth here. Um, and I am I for one am very glad to know that that's going to be happening. Even if I me can't too. see it happening in this universe, it is happening. I, I want to thank you for giving it to me. I I didn't realize how powerful. It's my honor. Yeah, it, it's my great. honor. It's it is my responsibility to bear, but it is also an honor. It is yeah, also an honor. I'm looking forward to stepping into it. Uh-huh. And I'm going to be, I'm going to spend the rest of the day looking for that door. Please, <laughs> please. I'm sure it's there. I'm sure it's there. Uh, Paul, this has been such a pleasure and uh, so exciting. Again, for me, a comedy nerd, um, what a, what a just privilege to get to sit, sit on the Zoom with you and, um, and, and gab with you. This has been really, really great. It was really fun. Thank you so much. Thanks again. And everybody, I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember when we could save kittens from trees? Lunch on skyscrapers, bring the villains to their knees. Maybe we should move someplace new and build time machines to go and get us back. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported